Hi, this is Haley Chura. You usually hear me every Thursday co-hosting the Iron Women podcast with Alyssa Gadeski. Current times are anything but usual, and I have a lot of questions. So I created Iron Women podcast mini episodes. I ask women who are endurance athletes and experts in their fields to help me and hopefully help you too by answering a few questions in 15 minutes or less. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Haley. This week, I'm talking to Chris Teat, the head coach of the women's NCAA triathlon team at Coe College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Coe College student athletes compete in Division Three of the NCAA, and fall of 2020 was supposed to be the inaugural season for the varsity women's triathlon team. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, USA Triathlon and the College Triathlon Coaches Association Board made the tough decision to cancel the NCAA collegiate triathlon season. In addition to the challenges of a pandemic, about a month ago, Cedar Rapids was hit by a derecho, a rapid and unexpected storm with hurricane force winds. Chris tells us about her personal experience with the storm, how the community's recovery is going, and what the triathlon team is doing without an official NCAA season. As always, thank you to the Iron Women podcast sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Gooder Sunglasses, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Coach Chris Teat. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. Thanks for the opportunity to be on your podcast. And we like to start these chats with a brief introduction. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and your history in endurance sport? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm currently the triathlon coach at Coe College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And I've been in this role since our institution added triathlon in the spring of 2019. As for my history in the sport itself, it actually started when I was in middle school on the swim team. Uh, one of my dad's favorite stories is when he came to a swim meet and my particular event, the 500 free, you know, just kept going and going to the point he finally leaned over and asked my mom, he said, how long does this race take? And then after the meet, he asked me, he said, why did you choose such a long event? And my reply to him, to this day, I'm not sure why I didn't think I could win, but I told him, I said, I'll never win, but I'm the only person on my team that can finish it. So yeah, other than endurance swimming, I think my history in endurance sport is probably very atypical compared to most. I've mostly built endurance by being involved in multiple high school and college sports, you know, always having a job, now parenting to the point that I really just don't sit down in a given day. I did a few sprint triathlon events in my 20s, and one of my best friends, Kylie, is a marathon runner, so she pulls me at least annually into a 5K or 10K with her. She once talked me into a half marathon in 2012, but I always told her the only reason to complete a marathon would be at the end of an Ironman. And then my husband's a cyclist, uh, and he started me in the sport of cycling about a decade ago, so 
between the three sports, my own love for distance swimming, Kylie's run influence, and Eric's cycling influence, uh, I became intrigued by the thought of an Ironman a few years ago and registered registered for an event more on a whim. So my first century ride in my first marathon was actually during uh, Ironman Boulder in 2017. Of course, when you cross the finish line, like most, I thought to myself that I would never do this again. Uh, but sure enough, Monday morning, I'd signed up for another event and have since uh, completed three full and three half Ironman events and am now coaching the sport. So here we are. I love that you've basically been training for this your entire life. And like you said, these days, life itself is an endurance sport. As you mentioned, you are the coach at Co College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And on August 10th, just about a month ago, a derecho windstorm hit your town. So it's my understanding the derecho was like an inland hurricane and it caused devastating property damage and power outages that lasted a week or more. Can you tell me about your own experience during the storm and the subsequent recovery? Yeah. Who knew a hurricane could hit in the middle of the Midwest, you know, away from the coast. But honestly, it was probably the craziest thing I've ever experienced. The winds were 100 plus miles an hour, and they say it would rank as a category two or three hurricane. My husband, my daughter, and I were actually in our basement. We saw parts of the storm out our picture window to the degree that it was safe to watch here and there. Probably not at all, but we did anyway. But yeah, our next door neighbor had a 200-year-old oak tree that we saw. I mean, it was completely uprooted. Then there's four trees between our two houses that were lopped off about 20 feet up. And then we live in a heavily wooded neighborhood. So the destruction around us was immense. We spent a week straight hauling branches and stumps to the curb. We needed a tree service to come in and remove dangerous hangers big branches that were over property or our fence or vehicles. And we still honestly spend about an hour a day, except this week because it rained all week, um, bringing branches up to the curb. The city has made one pass through where they bring, I mean, think of a semi and then there's two like boxcars attached behind it. Yeah. And they just have cranes that come down and pick up the branches and fill the boxcars and then take that away. And they're going to make two more passes. And I'm guessing they'll have to do the same thing in the spring because there were piles in front of everyone's house that were 10 to 15 feet high. And then once they were removed, they're refilling again, like I said, because there's just tons of branches. We were lucky and one of the few in our neighborhood did not have house or vehicle damage. Two doors away as a family, they were out of town. They had a red truck parked in the driveway. And after all was said and done, you I sent them pictures. You could not see the red truck at all. The only thing you could see were the two peaks of their house because there are so many. I mean, there's just down trees surrounding their house front and back. But yeah, neighbors immediately after the storm were out with chainsaws. We spent the rest of the afternoon and evening clearing roads. So most of our neighborhood is at least accessible for one lane of traffic. Yeah, what's different then? many hurricanes is that we didn't have warning. I mean, it was minimal. You know, we heard there were storms coming, but not to this degree of severity. So there were many people that were out and about at work. I actually was running an errand and I made it home with like 20 to 30 seconds to spare oh my before, goodness. yeah, before the first tree fell that we heard. So yeah, we got power back four days later, but I think we're on the same grid as some of our utilities at the bottom of the hill because 90% of our neighborhood was without power for 10 days. We had a 
RV, a used RV that we had purchased a week prior that was in the driveway. Uh, so again, that we didn't have vehicle damage. We were lucky to have a power source refrigeration. And we actually made and delivered coffee in the mornings. And then our racket center at Co. runs on a backup generator. So we uh, delivered ice in the afternoons. A neighbor kid still calls me the ice lady. But in total, Cedar Rapids lost well over 50% of its tree cover is what I've heard. And I don't know what impact that will have long term. You know, they'll have to start regenerating, rebuilding, planting trees. And I don't know, but it was it was pretty serious. And the fall of 2020, right now, it was supposed to be the inaugural season for the NCAA Varsity Women's Triathlon Team at Coe College. But in late July, USA Triathlon and the College Triathlon Coaches Association Board announced the cancellation of the season. So between the derecho, the pandemic, and a canceled first season, what's going on with the triathlon team? Good question. I suppose we're like the Energizer Bunny in that we just keep going and going to the extent possible, of course, in terms of what's allowed, what's legal, NCAA-wise, what's safe in this day and age. Uh, there was significant damage on campus as well. We're, we live just a couple miles from campus, and that there was a delay in the start of classes because of it. But the triathlon facilities and equipment were just fine. We have students on campus now and training individually or in small groups uh, because of the pandemic. They're using the pool. We have a new triathlon room that has lockers and smart trainers. And then we have the indoor track in the racket center. Props to our athletic training staff and administration for the many safety procedures and protocol that are in place that has allowed some of our teams, uh, including triathlon, to train, practice, and even compete North Central College proposed the idea of a virtual splash and dash that'll give our athletes something specific to train for and look forward to. So I'm excited about that. I'm also hoping to have a virtual duel or two with Central College from our conference. They added triathlon uh, shortly after we did. And our student assistant, Ian Hoover Grindy, is a world champion triathlete at one point, maybe U19. And he's looking to contend for the collegiate club title and soon thereafter compete professionally. He'll graduate this year. So it's also awesome to follow along with his training commitment and goals on campus. I love that you're working with other teams and coming up with these virtual events. We did talk to Jenny Garrison from NCC a couple months ago, very, very early in the pandemic. And so at that point, I think the season was still a go. And so it's it's great to hear how you're kind of still working together and still keeping things going for these student athletes. And my understanding is that prior to taking the women's triathlon head coaching position, you were actually the head coach of Co's women's tennis team. I know this has been a very unusual year, but in general, how has that transition been from you from tennis to triathlon? Yeah. When Co first added triathlon, uh, I was serving as both the head coach for women's tennis and triathlon, uh, which was a lot. Uh, I've since stepped down from the tennis role in hopes to focus on building the foundation for triathlon and uh, also looking to build my strength and conditioning profile. Uh, I was actually interning at the University of Iowa in strength and conditioning, uh, their department for Olympic sports this past spring before workouts got shut down. In general, I would say the transition has been fun for me, uh, given my desire for new challenges, but also the ever-changing world in general and the world of college sports specifically uh, these days has left many aspects of um, the future, uh, including my future, uncertain. So, 
I'm not sure where that leaves us. Well, a brief review of your biography shows that you're an incredibly accomplished person and you have incredible range. So it's not only have you been the head coach in two different NCAA varsity sports, you also have a law degree and an MBA and you yourself played both tennis and soccer collegiately. So do you think that your own experience as a student athlete helped give you this adaptability that you're really needing to use right now, but then also put you on this path to the professional success that you've already experienced? Yeah. And looking back, uh, I would actually credit my early path to success to my parents and unrelated to sports. Uh, my parents started a business pit printing when I was very young. Uh, so my dad worked long hours during the day and my mom worked as a pharmacist in the evenings to help support the early stages of a new business. Uh, she's now involved full-time in the business, but they and my brother, who's been involved for the past 20 years, built uh, quite a successful branch within the franchise network. So my parents never played sports, but they instilled a sense of work ethic uh, in me that drove me to success in all that I've pursued, uh, which in my case is mostly sports or related to sports. Yeah, so that got me to the collegiate student-athlete experience. And then, of course, being a student athlete further set me up for a continued climb professionally, personally, skills such as time management, resiliency, teamwork and positivity uh, are quickly learned in collegiate sports in order in order to stay in the fight uh, rather than take flight, so to speak. And then I also developed a great sense of gratitude for the opportunity that I had. I was surrounded by amazing teammates, uh, and I'll never forget the experiences we shared both on and off the court or field. And I hope as a coach, that's been a large part of my motivation to coach is creating those same experiences, uh, obviously in a different sport for our triathletes moving forward. Well, Chris, triathlon is already a sport that requires a lot of adaptability and resilience. And then you add on the complications of this year, a brand new program, a derecho storm, a pandemic. I think these student athletes are so lucky to have your leadership. And so thank you so much for sharing your story today. Best of luck to you, everyone at Co and in Cedar Rapids with the continued recovery. And I hope we get to check in sometime in the future and talk about actual like race results because I will be cheering on Co College and I think our listeners will as well. Awesome. That sounds great. Thank you. You might have heard Chris mention her student assistant coach, Ian Hoover-Grindy's plans to compete in an upcoming college club race. That was in reference to the 2020 USA Triathlon Collegiate Club Cup, which is a co-ed race for collegiate triathlon clubs as opposed to varsity NCAA teams. The race was initially scheduled for this past spring, but it was rescheduled for October 16th and 17th in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. The race is being called a collegiate club cup as opposed to a national championship since not all schools will be able to send athletes to compete. But as of this recording, it looks like the race might happen with a few specific modifications. And so you can find more details about that on the USA Triathlon website. Thanks again to coach Chris Teat for being my guest on the show today. And I will reiterate my hopes for the Coe College and Cedar Rapids communities recovery from that devastating storm in the midst of a pandemic. And I really admire the student athletes and coaches who are making the most of an exceptionally difficult circumstances this year. I'm Haley Jura, and you've been listening to another Iron Woman podcast mini episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.
You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Gooder Sunglasses, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com. Yeah.